as you and I are coming out of this lockdown together, and they're beginning to talk to us about getting back to regular life or normal life. As we were in lockdown, we didn't hear a lot about the economy. We were just trying to survive, live as simply and as inexpensively as we could, and just trying to hang on and survive, and God has been good to us. But now as we're coming out of it, we're beginning to hear difficult talk. We're hearing about recessions, depressions. We're hearing about 7.5 million people that have lost their jobs. Uh, we're hearing about uh, economic downturns around the world. We're, we're hearing all of this stuff. And please forgive me. After Ta'al and then lockdown, we don't want to hear about economic chaos. We, we've had enough for a while. And what I want to do today is just say, listen, it's going to be okay. Hold on to the promises of God. Look at the other folks in your family and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to the promises of God. Go ahead, say it again. Now, brothers and sisters, Everything I'm going to teach you today, you know very well. You could teach it as well as I can. You know these truths very well. I could not teach this to some congregations because they're not givers. They're not tithers. They're, God has given them grace to give, but they wouldn't respond to that grace. But you, all through the years, have responded to the grace of God, and you have excelled in the grace of giving. And I could look at you, and I can teach you. It's going to be okay. See, you have done what God asked you to do. You have been a faithful tither. You have been a faithful sower of seeds. And now it's time for you to hold on to the promises because it's time for you to see God do what God does. Now let me just walk you through some of these promises. And you know all of these very well. First of all, I want you to remember the promises of the Father back in the Old Testament. Psalms chapter 1 verse 3. God speaks about us. He said, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Now, that's how God describes your life. You are not like a tree planted out in the middle of a desert and when it rains, you flourish a little bit and if there is no rain, you die and wither up. God said, that's not who you are. You've been planted by streams of water. God said, I have planted your life in a physical community, and I've planted your life in a career, and I've planted your life in a business. I've planted you. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. God said, I have planted you in a place where you will prosper. I have planted you in a situation that you will prosper. Like one of our families was talking to me, and they were so kind of laughing about the whole thing. Both the husband and the wife were told, no work, no pay. And with their children, they did not know what to do. But they had just moved into a new apartment. Uh, well, it's not an apartment, a small house. And uh, it was at a place that they didn't know anybody, but it was close to the school for their kids. And they were all happy about it. And now, no work, no pay. And they're not only wondering, how do we pay the rent? They're wondering, how do we feed our kids? And one night, they heard us talk about cooking things. Well, they're both Ilocanos. And so they started cooking Ilocano dishes, Ilocano specialty dishes. Little did they know how many people lived in that neighborhood that wanted to eat Ilocano delicacies. Little did they know. But God planted them in a place. 
where all of a sudden they're making more money selling Ilocano dishes to all of their neighbors and things around than they ever made working both of their full-time jobs. And they're just sitting there going, Pastor, who would have dreamed moving into a new neighborhood where we know nobody that this could happen? God planted them in a place where they could prosper. Now, you need to understand the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. God has brought you into a career. God has brought you into a business. God has brought you into a situation, and God planted you. And you must understand, you may not be able to see it with your eyes, but you have been planted by a stream of water. You have been planted in a place that whatever goes on in the circumstances around, whatever financial drought comes around, God has planted you in a situation where everything you do is going to prosper, where your leaf will not wither. He goes on, Psalms 92, verse 13. They are planted in the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the courts of the Lord. Now, why do we flourish in God's house? Why do we flourish? What does it mean that we flourish in the house of God? Why is it that when we are connected to a local church and we, we come to God's house together, why is it that we flourish? Well, remember with me Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Mount Moriah, where the temple was built later, Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up his son, his only son Isaac, on that place, it's called Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah-Jireh is not the name of God. It's the name of a place. The house of God, the place where you come and you worship, that is a place of provision for you. I, I don't know how to put it in, in human words, but there's something about being in the house of God and gathered with God's people as he walks among us and as he inhabits the praises of his people. There's a provision that flows to our life. One of the first things I learned of spiritual laws is that it will always happen in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. You'll see it happen in a spirit realm, and then you'll see the fruit of it in the natural realm. Well, in the house of God, provision flows to your life. There's a, a spiritual release that comes to you. On the mount of God, in the house of God, it will be provided. Now, these are truths that you know. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. You need to look at these days ahead, not as days to be afraid of, but as days of great opportunity. For how many years have I taught you? Wealth never transfers in the good days. In the good days, everybody's making money and the prices go way up. Wealth transfers in the hard times when people are desperate for cash and they transfer wealth, land, cars, jewelry, gold. They transfer their wealth for cash to survive. Wealth always transfers in the hard times. So I would challenge you today. Don't look upon the days ahead as, oh, I guess I have to give up my dream of a house and lot. Really? Why? The prices are coming down. Oh, I wanted to buy that condo as an investment. Why not? I'm told condo prices are dropping 25%. This is, this is a good time. If you saved your money in the good days and you've prepared yourself, these are days of tremendous opportunities, beloved. You, you just have to stop looking at the days ahead and listening with ears that hear words of fear and begin to see with eyes of faith. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous.
You've always wanted to have that car. There's going to be so many secondhand cars coming on the market because people can't make their payments anymore or they need cash to pay their bills. And you're going to be able to buy cars at 50% off. So rather than kawawa as you hear all the news, start opening your eyes and looking for the opportunities. Wealth transfers in the hard times. These are not days of fear. These are days of great opportunity. He goes on, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. For the Lord your God will bless you in all the work of your hands. Deuteronomy 16, 15. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all that you produce and in all the work of your hands. Deuteronomy 24, 19. May God bless you in all the work of your hands. Now this is his promise to you. This is his promise to you. He will bless all the work of your hands. When this whole thing began, I told you don't wait around for government handouts. Don't wait around for somebody to just give you something. Don't wait around and hope somebody's going to call you. This, this may last a while. I said, God does not bless you. Remember I taught you this one night. God does not bless the sitting on your butt. God blesses the work of your hands. And so many of you, you just got busy. You started making masks. You started selling food. You got started selling things online. My goodness gracious, the entrepreneurial spirit that just flourished within you. God blessed the work of your hands. Now, you know, it's hard to do things and not, not, not make any money on it. So that entrepreneurial spirit is matched by the blessings of God. Let me say that again. You merge that entrepreneurial spirit with the blessings of God. Oh my goodness gracious, God has been good to you and he will continue to. Also remember, Psalm, I'm just giving you the Old Testament, a few of the Old Testament things. Ezekiel 47, verses 6 to 12. I'll just read you the highlights. Verse 9, Whenever the, wherever the river flows, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be many fish, for this water goes there, and the waters of the sea will become fresh, so that everything will live where the river grows. Everything lives where the river flows. I've taught you for years that the river always refers to the Holy Spirit. It's a type of the Holy Spirit. Every place the Holy Spirit flows, everything lives. Your business is not dead. Just go in there and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost over your business. Every place the river flows, that river of the Holy Spirit that flows out of your innermost being, every place the river flows, brings life. Now, these are promises that God has made. Now, remember what Jesus taught, New Testament. And I'm just giving you a few. When it comes to helping the poor, verse 2 of Matthew 6, thus when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees what is given, was done in secret will reward you, and I like one translation, will reward you openly. These are the days for God to reward you openly. Think of all the times that you have filled up daily manna bottles. Think of all the times that on your, your birthday, rather than have a birthday party for your friends and a blow-up for your friends, you, you took that money and you, you bought food and you went down to Aroma and you, you blessed those kids. You gave them food to eat that they'd never tasted before. They knew, they knew how to eat bug pug, but you brought them real Kentucky Fried. 
They knew how to eat the scraps from Jollibee, but you brought them real Jollibee. They saw other people ice cream and they could only let the saliva flow as they saw ice cream. And you brought them ice cream. You brought them cake. You let them have birthdays with you. Think of all that you have done. How many times you've gotten up at three o'clock in the morning, gone down to help cook food. Think of all that you've done to help the poor. Now, it's time for God to honor his word and reward you openly. Did you hear that? You've done it in secret. God does it openly. Matthew 6, beginning with verse, or Matthew 7, beginning with verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus asked you the question. Will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you? Yes. Look at the other folks in the house and say, yes. Look at somebody else and say, yes. Your heavenly Father will give good gifts to you. He won't just give you rice and salt. He'll give good gifts to you. Now, now let me just elaborate on this for a minute. Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Now, that's, that's pretty clear. Okay, if you're, if, you're, if you're prosperous, if you're wealthy, get rid of your pride. Number two, don't put your hope in your money. Brothers and sisters, when I first came to the Philippines, the peso was what, three to one, six to one, something like that? Tomorrow, tomorrow, the peso could go to 100 to one or 1,000 to one. And you've got a million pesos in the bank right now. Well, when the peso goes to 1,000 to one, you know what? You don't have much. You've got pocket change. Hey, pastor, that's how quickly wealth can disappear. Don't put your hope in the wealth that you've stored up. Keep your hope in God. Why? Who richly, why do you put your hope in God? Who richly, not, not with an eyedropper, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Your heavenly father, he said, listen, don't, don't put your hope in your bank account. Don't put your hope in your assets. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us all things to enjoy. Now, let's talk about those words enjoy for a minute. Over the last months, what, three months now, over three months, we have lived, and you've heard me use the statement a lot, we have learned to live very inexpensively, and we have learned to live very simply. But you know what? You don't have to live like that forever. As we come out of this, God has given you some nice things, and you shouldn't be ashamed of the nice things God has given you. Now, you're going to identify with this. You know how you can always tell somebody who grew up without much? Somebody who grew up poor? They never used their good stuff. <laughs> you show me someone who grew up without much, I will show you someone who when they go home, they take off their nice clothes and they put on their house clothes. And they keep their nice clothes so they won't be ruined. People that grew up rich, they don't care about their clothes. They just go buy more. But people who grew up without much, we always, when we go home, we take off our nice clothes and we, we put them away so that they're not ruined and we put on our old clothes to just stay around the house in. True? Another thing, when we have something nice, we don't like to use it. Ah, we're all the same. I've got some really nice shirts. I mean, really nice shirts from Australia. Bought them in this little town called Rockhampton. Some of them are gifts from my friend, Pastor Claude. They're these, it's hard to explain. You know, the funny colored fancy ones, the paisleys and things. 
And I like them. But you notice how rare I wear them? Because I'm trying to save them. We always want to save our nice things. Brother John gave me a solid gold watch one day about, what, three years ago? I've worn it, what, twice, three times? Why do we not use our nice things? We're always trying to save them. Now, please, let me just throw something at you for a minute. In the last few months, with all the talk of death and how quickly we've seen the world around us change, maybe we need to realize God didn't give us those nice things to look at. God gave us those nice things to enjoy. And maybe some of you need to lighten up a little bit and use your nice things while you're still young enough to enjoy them. (laughs) I'll leave that one alone because some of us are getting a little bit older. But please, understand the promise of God. He will give good gifts to you, good things to you. He'll richly provide for us all things to enjoy. Not not to sit back and look at and go, oh, that's nice, but I don't want to mess it up, so I'm not going to touch it. All things to, I've got a nice Bible here. This is my favorite Bible. Okay, notice it's blue. Do you know I've only read it on rare occasions because it's so nice, smells so good. I just, I, I leave it on my shelf and I pick up my old Bibles. We all need to recognize God gave us these nice things to enjoy. Now, Jesus also promised us what the Father is like. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now he goes on, but for the sake of time, move down with me to verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He said, Your father knows that you need clothes. Your father knows that you need shoes. Your father knows that you need food to eat. Your father knows that you need a place to sleep in a home. He said, your father knows that you need them all. Your heavenly father is not dialed out of your life. Your heavenly father is focused on your life. He knows your need. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Not might be added to you. Not, you know, if you beg long enough. Will, automatically, will. These are things you don't need to worry about. Your clothes, your food, your home, you don't need to worry about these things. Your father knows that you need them all. He said, you focus on the kingdom, and isn't that what you have been doing? I mean, my goodness, 10,000 people born again over the last few months by Zoom crusades. and uh, I mean, you look, at, you look at what you guys have done. You look at how you, you focused yourself on the ministry. Now, can you not stand back and see for just a moment that your heavenly Father has seen that you have done that? You have sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now it's time for you to watch God do his part. Faithful is he who has promised. You need to step back and say, Father, I just trust in you. Faithful are you who have promised. And he will say, okay, all these things will be added to you. Not might be. They will be added to you. All right, taking another gear. Let us remember the promises of God to the tithers. Now, how many of you are tithers? Raise your hand there at home. Yes, we're all tithers. Remember the promises of God. 
Malachi chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? Now notice, this is, this is right at the very end. These are some of God's last words to the people before he went silent. But you say, how have we robbed you in tithe and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out for you a blessing until there's no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and the vine of your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, did you hear that? You have been a faithful tither. Now, can you just relax and let God fulfill his promises for you? He said, listen, I ask you to put me to the test. I ask you just to faithfully bring the tithe into the storehouse. He said, and you've done that. He said, now, can you trust me to do what I said that I will do? He said, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. He said, the tithe will open the windows of heaven over your life, and blessings are going to pour out until there is no more need. He said, in addition to that, I'm going to protect your assets. He said, I will rebuke the devourer. Things that will destroy, your, your, your properties are going to last longer. Your, your assets are going to last longer. I mean, look at how God caused the, all of the, the shoes and the clothes of the people of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years that they didn't wear out. That's what God can do. Now, God says, if you're a tither, the things that will destroy, God said, I will rebuke those things. He said, you're not going to keep losing your assets. And he said, and your vine won't cast its fruit. There's not going to be shrinkings in your business. He said, you need to see these things. But he said, you know what? All nations, verse 12, will call you blessed. All your relatives are going to look at you and call you blessed. Everyone is going to look at you and go, what a delightful life you have because you are a tither. Now, can you step back for just a moment and say, okay, God, I've done what you asked me to do. Now, Faithful are you who have promised. And this is all I'm trying to communicate to you today in every thought that I'm giving you that you need to understand. These are not the times to be afraid. These are days to hold on to the promises. You have done what God has asked you to do. Now watch God step into your life. Watch God provide for your family. Watch God grow your business. Watch God give you that new house and lot. Watch what God does for your life. See, there are times, brothers and sisters, where you just have to learn it's time for a harvest. You have to understand it's harvest time. This is time for me to receive all that God has promised. This is time for me to stand back and watch the salvation of God for my family, to stand back and watch the salvation of God flowing to me. What about the promises to the sower? Psalms 18, verse 25. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. I like that. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. Now, have you been faithful to God? Yeah. All right, now watch God manifest his faithfulness. Demonstrate his faithfulness in your life. You, you've got to see things are going to begin to happen around you that, that you're going to look at and go, my goodness, would you look at this? That's, and just, you just need to start keeping a list manifestations of God's faithfulness. Maybe in the back of your notebook, in the back of your journal, maybe open a new little journal, manifestations of God's faithfulness, and just begin to list all the things that God is beginning to do for you. These are the days of receiving. These are not the days of fear.
Look at what Jesus promised. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Not it might be given to you. It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He said, hey, you've been a sower. You've given generously. Now watch God. Watch God give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Paul says it this way. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 to 12. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Did you hear that? You have all sufficiency in all things at all times. You live a prosperous life. You may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for gold. He's going to give you seed to sow in these days and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, not, not just spiritually, physically, materially. You will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. God said, listen, I'm going to prosper you so that you can be generous. I'm going to prosper you so that you can help your relatives. I'm going to prosper you so that you can help your parents. I'm going to prosper you so that you can build the house of God. I'm going to prosper you so that you can feed the poor. I'm going to prosper you so that you can help that young businessman getting started. He said, I'm going to be generous to you. I'm going to enrich you in every way so that you can be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I like that. He said, you know what? I'm going to be generous with you so that you can be generous with others and all that thanksgiving is going to flow to me. Oh, I like that. Let me give you one more verse. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. We're not going to be living in lack. Our barns will be filled with plenty and our vats will be bursting with wine. God said, you honor me with your wealth. You, you, you sow the seed. You honor me with your wealth. The chapter, one of Malachi, chapter, chapter one of Malachi. He said, listen, if I'm a father, where is the honor due me? And he's talking about these offerings. He said, when you honor me with the first fruits of your wealth, he said, your barns will be filled with plenty. Now, these are things that you have done. These, these are not things I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you for an offering. You, <laughs> the offering time is already done. We're not even taking off. Have you ever noticed that in all of these months of coming to you, not once have you heard me take an offering? Not once have you told me to go to the online giving? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that? I'm not trying to teach you to give right now. You are givers. I'm not trying to teach you to tithe right now. You are tithers. I'm trying to teach you to receive right now. This is the time for God to show his faithfulness to your life. This is the time for God to prove his validity as he promised to test me in this, says the Lord in Malachi 3. This is the time for God to be faithful to all that he has promised in your life. Oh, beloved, please hear my heart today. These are not bad days ahead. I don't care what the economy does. 
The Bible says that God provides for us according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. There is no challenge of the economic status of heaven right now. There has been no lockdown in heaven affecting the economy in heaven right now. Heaven is prosperous. And it's like you and I call home. It's the only way I know how to illustrate it. Have you ever been in a difficult financial situation when you were a young person, maybe in college or something, and you didn't have any money, and you called home and you said, Mom, Dad, can you, can you send me some money? And money came because home had an abundance. My friends, home, heaven, has an abundance. So don't worry about the conditions of this world. This is time for you to stand still and see the salvation of your God. This is time for you to watch what God will do in your life. This is time for you, forgive me, this, this should be exciting days for you. These should be days when we're, we're exhausted from all the work that we're doing because God's giving us so many opportunities. It's not like God just fills up the bank account. He gives us work and he blesses the work of our hands. And all of a sudden, there's more work than we could do. These are good days ahead, brothers and sisters. So please, let me encourage you. Do not listen to the words of fear that surround us these days. Remember, hold on to the promises of God. Put your hope in God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. You have good days ahead in Jesus' name. All right, let me pray for you. Father, these are days, young people haven't seen days like this. But Father, those of us who are older, we walked through the 80s and we walked through the 90s together. And you never failed us. You never forsook us. A whole new generation is going to learn that you are faithful to your promises. A whole new generation is going to learn that you are a God who is faithful to everything you have promised let this whole new young generation see the provision of God flow to their families. Let this whole new young generation see the goodness of their God in the land of the living. We thank you, Father. Fulfill your promises. Don't let one of your good promises fall to the ground, Lord. Let all of your promises be fulfilled in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. as we begin a new week.